So the first reading comes from Ezekiel, chapter 36, verses 22 to 32. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, this is what the Lord God says, it is not for your sake that I will act, house of Israel, but for my holy name, which you profaned among the nations where you went. I will honour the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. The nations will know that I am Yahweh, the declaration of the Lord God, when I demonstrate my holiness through you in their sight. For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and will bring you into your own land. I will also sprinkle clean water on you and will be, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes carefully and observe my ordinances. Then you will live in the land that I gave your fathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will summon the grain and make it plentiful and not bring famine on you. I will also make the fruit of the trees and the produce of the field plentiful so that you will no, no longer experience reproach among the nations on account of famine. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and detestable practices. It is not for your sake that I will act. The declaration of the Lord God let this be known to you. Be ashamed and humiliated because your ways, because of your ways, house of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is John 14, um, verses 15 through to 31, on page 994 of your church Bibles. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will see me no longer, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. And in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. But the one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but it's from the Father who sent me. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name to teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. You have heard me tell you, I'm going away, and I am coming to you. If you love me, you will have rejoiced that I'm going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you may believe. I will not talk with you much longer, because the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me. On the contrary, I am going away, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Just as the Father commanded me, so I do. Get up. Let's leave this place. This is the word of God. Thanks, be to God. Thanks, Heidi. 
Good to see you. We're in John's Gospel again. Uh, my name is Paul, if I haven't met before. Uh, this is a kind of question that I hope you ask sometimes. If only Jesus were with me right now. Do you ever say that? If only Jesus were, were with me right now. In the time of tragedy, when you don't know what is happening, you don't know why it's happening, in the time of tragedy when you're paralyzed by pain and you're, you're suffocating in your sadness, don't you want to say, if only Jesus was here right now, I could ask him why and what and when is this going to end? In the time of temptation, you know, when the world and the flesh and the devil is, is just too tempting for you and you're thinking, why bother to be godly? If only Jesus was here right now, I would resist that temptation. I'd say no to ungodliness. If only Jesus were here right now, when you are feeling alone. If only Jesus were here right now when you are reading your Bibles and you're thinking, what on earth does that mean? If only Jesus were here right now when you've got to make that really difficult decision and you want some wisdom about finances, about work, about relationships. You've got your WWJD bracelet, but that doesn't really help you. You want Jesus right here, right now. If Jesus were here with me right now, I reckon that my, my Christian life would be less of a spiritual roller coaster. You know, one week my favorite song is, I've decided to follow Jesus and they're turning back and they're turning back. And the next week, my favorite song is, Oh Lord, I need you, I need you every hour. One week, my favorite verse in the Bible is, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And the next week, my favorite verse is, I lift my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? And it's kind of like being on this, on this lunar park roller coaster of a journey with Jesus. And I kind of think, if Jesus were here right now with me, surely it would be more like a little carousel and less of a roller coaster. Do you ever ask that? If Jesus were here right now, my life would look so different. Even the opening verses of our passage tonight. If you love me, you will keep my commands. So the link there between love and obedience. If you love Jesus, you will obey him always. You'll keep everything he told you to do, including that hard command to love one another. The bar is really high. Jesus has declared his love, he's demonstrated his love, he's commanded us to love, and now he says, if you love me, you must obey me. And if Jesus was here with me right now, I'd say to him, Jesus, how do I do that? How do I obey everything you've told me to do? How do I live in this world and not be of this world? How do I resist temptation? How do I make godly decisions? How do I love sacrificially? How do I act with compassion and kindness? I need Jesus here right now. I can't do this without him. You know, that's the kind of question that the disciples would have been asking if only Jesus were here right now because he's just told them he's about to leave them. They've lived with Jesus for three years. Their whole life evolved around Jesus. They've heard his teaching. They've seen his miracles. And now around this dinner table, it's like a series of hammer blows. Blow number one. Jesus says, someone's going to betray me. 
Blow number two, he said, I'm going away, I'm leaving you. Blow number three, you can't follow me. Blow number four, I'm about to die. Blow number five, if you love me, keep my commands. And I'm sure they were feeling terrified and confused and fearful and weak and lonely and inadequate and tired and discouraged and doubting, saying, I can't do this without you, Jesus. I can't do it without you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. But he's going away. So what are they going to do? They need him every hour. We need him every hour. What are we going to do? What we need is a new Jesus. Someone who will never leave us. Someone who will never go away. Someone who will be with us 24-7. Somebody who will be with us not just in the, the Sea of Galilee or the Rose of Jerusalem, but with us in Kirribilli in 2014. We need another Jesus. And praise God that our Jesus need is met. Not by an earthly Jesus, but by the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of truth, the spirit of power, the spirit of peace, who doesn't just walk alongside us, but lives in us. And praise God that Jesus loved his followers enough to teach them about the Holy Spirit before he left. And praise God that tonight we can get our theology of the Spirit right. Because Jesus is saying to us tonight that I'm here right now. I'm always here. Living in you. And my aim tonight is to get the theology of the Spirit right. To understand that if you love Jesus, you have got the Spirit. You're Spirit-filled. You're Spirit-led. It's like Jesus is with you 24-7. My aim tonight is to get rid of that dichotomy between, between the Word and the Spirit and between the Spirit and Jesus and experience and obedience and head and heart because there is no dichotomy. It's word and spirit together. It's spirit and Jesus together. It's obedience and experience together. It's head and heart together. Because here's our big idea. It's probably not working yet. Uh, The spirit of Jesus indwells all believers. Can you remember that? The spirit of Jesus indwells every single believer. If you're a true believer here tonight, if you love Jesus, if you're obeying his commands, you have got the Spirit living in you. Look what Jesus says. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever. He's the Spirit of truth. The world's not able to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I won't leave as orphans, I'm coming to you. The first thing to say about the Spirit is that the Bible never uses the word it to describe the Spirit, does it? He is the Spirit of truth. You receive him, he remains with you and he will be in you. That's really important. The Spirit is a a person, not a force. David Jackman says, if you think of the Spirit as a force, you'll desire to have more of it. More power, more strength, higher voltage. If you think of the Spirit as a person, you'll just want him to have more of you and a deeper relationship with him. See what he calls the Spirit in verse 16? I'll give you another counsellor. When you see that word counsellor, please don't think therapist. Please don't think a marriage counsellor. 
Uh, the older translation had the word comforter. Uh, I'll give you another comforter. But the problem with that is we think kind of a, uh, there, there, I'll put my arm around you, it'll be okay, or the comforter is a bit of a doona on a Saturday morning, that sort of comfort, that cuddling. Uh, the word counselor is actually the word paraclete, it means advocate. It's, it's a legal word. It means somebody who comes to the law court with you. And his role in the law court is to be alongside you and to testify about your character and to equip you and to strengthen you, to help you just to keep going. That's the advocate, the spirit. And if you know your Bibles, you might say, well, we've already got an advocate. His name's Jesus. Uh, 1 John 2, if you do sin, we have an advocate who intercedes on our behalf. His name is Jesus. And this is the most glorious truth that we don't just need somebody up there doing all the advocating for us, in heaven doing the interceding for us, do we? We'd help now, down here. And this is the glorious truth that you do have an advocate in heaven called Jesus who's interceding you 24-7 and you've got an advocate down here called the Spirit of Jesus. Right here, right now, getting alongside you, testifying to your character, strengthening you, helping you, encouraging you. Look at the word in verse 16. I'll give you another counsellor, another advocate to be with you forever. There are two words in the Bible for another. One means another of a different kind, and the other means another of the same kind. So, for example, I could say I'll give you another mode of transport and you've got rid of your car and I'll give you a, a push bike instead. They're both modes of transport, but they're quite different, aren't they? But the word used here is another exactly the same kind. I've used the example before, but like if you came out of my house, we've got Maxwell Williams cups and saucers. I like, I like my tea in a cup and saucer. I'm quite English. And if you came around and you broke a cup and saucer and you went to David Jones and bought me a red mug and said, here's another cup, another mug, it does exactly the same thing. I said, that doesn't quite fit. I need a white China Maxwell Williams one with a cup and saucer, please. That's the word used here, another of exactly the same kind. You see, the spirit is exactly the same as Jesus. Equally divine, equally powerful, equally able. He does the same things that Jesus did with his disciples when they were there. It's such a wonderful truth that, yes, Jesus is going away, but another one will come to draw alongside them. The spirit of truth, he calls you in verse 17, because Jesus is the truth. And when Jesus speaks of the spirit in verses 17, it it kind of uses spirit and Jesus interchangeably. He is the spirit of truth. The world's not able to receive him like they couldn't receive Jesus. Because the world doesn't see Jesus or the Spirit or know him and the Spirit. But you do know him, the Spirit, because he remains with you and will be in you. I won't leave as orphans, I'm coming to you. In a little while the world will see me no longer, but you will see me. How will they see him? By the Spirit. Because I live, you too will live. It's this glorious truth that Jesus sends another Jesus called the Spirit of Truth. 
Have a look at verse 16 again. He'll be with you, what's the word there? Forever, permanently. Whilst you live on earth until you die, the Spirit will always be in you. Same in verse 17, he remains with you and will be in you. See there's two prepositions, with and in. The word for in is actually the word for tabernacling. He'll be dwelling within you. It's not in all people. The world can't receive him. But if you believe in Jesus, you've got the Spirit of God living in you right now. now why is this important? Let me give you three glorious, uh, glorious implications. Here's the first one. They all begin with P, just to make it easy to remember. It's important because it means that God is present with you. God's presence with you. He's not just your creator. You're not just a creature. You're in this intimate, personal relationship with God as your heavenly father, and he lives in you. He abides in you. Do you know when Jesus came, there was the word Jesus, which meant God saved. What's the other word for Jesus? Emmanuel, God, with us. And the Spirit is with you, and he's living in you. And you don't just see God, but you know God personally. You enjoy this intimate relationship. I I love verse 20. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father. So Jesus is in the Father, and the, the, the believers are in Jesus, and Jesus is in them. Look again at verse 20. Sorry, that's 23. If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And the word used for home there is the same as 14 verse 2, where it talks about dwelling places. It's this wonderful truth that by going to his death, Jesus is preparing a room in heaven for you, and by going to his death, Jesus is preparing a room in your heart for him. Heaven is your home, but until you get home, the Spirit lives in, within you. I said, what does that mean? The basics truth, it means you're never alone, isn't it? No matter what trial or tragedy you go through, you're never alone. No matter what temptations you face, you don't face it alone. Whatever decision to make, you never face it alone. Whatever disappointments or hurts you go through, you never face it alone because God is with you. God is in you. So he says in verse 18, I won't leave you as orphans, so you won't be bereft from your heavenly Father. People might leave you, but he never does. You may feel helpless, but you're not. You're never unloved, you're never without care, you're never without support because you've got the Spirit of God living in you. When I became a father to Sam, so if you don't know, I married a widow with a five-year-old child. One of my first memories of being a father to Sam was teaching him how to ride a bike. And if you've had a dad or mum who taught you how to ride a bike, you know how it goes. For, for, for weeks and for months, like you've got the the training wheels, and then you take the training wheels off, and, and the father is there, and I was there sort of holding the saddle from behind as he tried to ride a bike. And that moment where the, 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 the grip gets lighter and lighter and lighter, but I'm still there, ready to catch it. And in that moment where he, he, he sort of cycles off by himself, what does the father do that moment? Runs behind. 
just in case, just ready to catch. What do I do when Sam falls off his bike for the very first time and you've got the blood? You pick him up and you hold him and you cuddle him. That's the promise here. That your father lives in you, holding the saddle, ready to pick you up, ready to, to catch your tears. It's a massive comfort. God's present with you always by his spirit. The most intimate relationship that far surpasses any possible human relationship. One of my funeral hymns is going to be Abide With Me. Do you know that's him? Look at the words. This is the Spirit abiding in you now. Abide with me fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide. Please, Lord, you're with me always. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. Not a brief glance I beg, a passing word. But as thou dwellst with thy disciples, Lord, familiar, condescending, patient, free, come, not to sojourn, not to travel, but to abide, to live within me. I need thy presence every passing hour. What but thy grace can fall the tempter's power? Who like thyself my guide and stay can be? Through cloud and sunshine, Lord, abide with me. Fear no foe with thee at hand to bless. Ills have no weight and tears no bitterness. Where is death sting, where grave thy victory? I triumph still if thou abide with me. Last verse. Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven morning breaks and earth vain shadows flee. In life and death, O Lord, abide with me. Isn't that beautiful? That's John 14, the Spirit of God who is abiding with you, who is with you always. Of course, the, the flip side of that is a challenge. It's not just a comfort to know that God lives in you. If God does live within you, then you've got to live a godly life, haven't you? Your body's a temple to the Holy Spirit. And that's why you need a second truth. It's not about God's, uh, God's presence only. It's about God's power. God's power to live the godly life. God's power to obey all these commands, to keep the commands. Don't you find verse 15 incredibly hard? If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Not just his ethical commands, but the whole counsel of God. The core to obedience that comes throughout this whole chapter. Verse 21, the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. If you love me, you must keep my commands. That's the litmus test. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Am I the only one that finds that really hard? What I need is help, help to to know the commands and help to keep the commands. Help to know the truth and help to keep the truth. And what do I need? I need the spirit of truth. If you wanted to know how the New Testament came to be written, uh, the answer is in this chapter. Uh, The disciples did not walk around Galilee with little notepads waiting to for Jesus to say something and writing it all down and getting a publishing contract when he died. They had no intention of writing anything down. 
But when he left them, he sent the Spirit. And what did the Spirit do? Verse 25. I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the counsel of the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've told you. Verses 25 and 26 are for the disciples, not just for us. We weren't there. They were there. And after Jesus had gone, the Spirit is the one who revealed to them what Jesus said and why he said it. And they wrote it down, so we've got this wonderful truth. And then the work of the Spirit is to teach us the Word and to help us to keep the Word. Do you ever have that experience when you open your Bibles and you're kind of like, what on earth does this mean? And then the Spirit speaks to you. And the Spirit teaches you, and the Spirit reveals glorious truths in the Word. Having the Holy Spirit is a bit like having digital TV today, isn't it? Where if you've still got the analog TV, you've got a TV set, but you haven't got a picture because you have to have digital. You can turn on the TV, but you've got no picture. It's like having a Bible and no Spirit. You open your Bible, but it's just words. But then the Spirit comes and he teaches you and he illuminates the scriptures and gives you insight and understanding and convictions and assurance and teaches you more and more things. And this is the key thing. He helps you then to obey it and to keep it. That's the power of the Spirit, isn't it? To, To obey the word, to be holy just as God is holy. Let me give you some examples from my life this week. I was reading Ephesians 4. It talks about uh, speaking only words which build other people up and to get rid of all bitterness and envy and rage. And I read that on Wednesday morning. I had to have a hard conversation with someone at Wednesday lunchtime. I'm like, God, I can't do this. I don't want to keep this word today. <laughs> But the Spirit just keeps on convicting me. Only words to build people up, not words to tear people down. Had the most glorious meeting on Wednesday. Uh, On Thursday, uh, I'm reading that part of the Bible, 1 Peter 2. Don't retaliate. I'm thinking, I've been hurt. I'm going to see this person tonight. I don't want to keep that word. I want to get even. I want revenge. And the Spirit keeps on throughout the whole day. 1 Peter 2, don't retaliate, don't retaliate, don't retaliate. That's how the Spirit works in my life. I read bits of Scripture. And he puts a spotlight on the Scripture and puts a spotlight on my heart. And he says, this is the word. Now keep it. And I'm going, I can't keep it, Lord. And the Spirit goes, no, you can't keep it, but I can. And I'll equip you. And I'll empower you to keep that word. So the Spirit is with you always. And the Spirit is your power to know the word, to keep the word, to live a godly life. And the third glorious truth in this passage is he is God's peace. See that again in verse 27? Peace I'll leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. The word for peace in the Bible is the word shalom. 
You might not know the word shalom could be used either for a greeting or for a farewell. So when you meet someone and greet them, you say, shalom, peace. And when you say goodbye to somebody, you say, shalom, peace be with you. Now, do you see how Jesus is using it in verse 27? Peace I'll leave with you. Goodbye, I'm going. My peace I give to you. Hello, I'm here. Yes, I'm going to leave this world, but I'm going to come to you. And when I come to you, post-resurrection, what's the first word he says to the disciples? Peace be with you. And when I come to you by the Spirit, I'm leaving you with peace. But not a temporary peace, but a permanent peace. Uh, not a peace that the world gives you, that sort of temporary, dissatisfying, insecure, circumstantial peace. But that inner peace, which is true satisfaction and deep security and absolute confidence and composure in the midst of trials. That's the peace the Spirit gives you. Do you remember the art companies I shared about two years ago now? When the artists were asked to paint a picture of the word peace. Remember that story? In third place was a picture of a, of a mother and a child. And the mother is cuddling a child. And they say, oh, that's peace. That's beautiful. And in second place was this beautiful English countryside with the roaming hills. And a person sitting in the tree reading a book. Oh, that's peace. That's beautiful. And the winner of this competition was this picture of absolute chaos. And there were storms against the rocks, there was hail, there was wind, it was ghastly. How on earth is that peace? Until you look closely, in the middle of that picture there's a, a rock, or crevice in a rock. And hiding and sheltering from the storms in the middle of that rock, so there's a little bird just sitting there, sheltered from the storms. Yeah, that is peace. You've still got the storms of life. You've still got the chaos all around you. But because you've got the Spirit of God in you, you've got this deep satisfaction, contentment, confidence, assurance, because you have true and lasting peace. And that's the peace that only the Spirit can bring you. The world can't give you that the world will give you a band-aid. The world will give you nice ideas. People can't give you peace because people will let you down. But the spirit of Jesus who lives in you, he'll give you true peace and lasting peace and deep peace. So I don't know whether you ask if only Jesus were with me right now. I'm actually glad that He's not here right now. <laughs> if Jesus was physically here, it means that he hadn't gone to the cross. If Jesus was physically here, it means that only the people who are in this, in this room right here, right now, could actually benefit from his presence. But the fact that he loved us enough to leave this world means that he sent his spirit, who's with us always, in every continent, in every church, simultaneously, exactly at the same time, so that you sitting here right now and me standing here right now can know that God is always with me. His presence with me always. 
he gives me the power to understand the scriptures and to obey the scriptures and to delight in the word. And it's deep inner peace that no one can take away from me. Jesus is with me right now. Of course he is. He's always with me. Let me pray. Spirit now living and dwelling within me. Keep my eyes fixed on Jesus' face. Father God, thank you that you loved us enough to not only send your son, but to send your spirit to be in us, to remain with us. Thank you that you haven't left us as orphans. Thank you that you never leave us. Thank you for your constant care, your constant love. Lord, I pray for people here in this room tonight who are going through the tragedy and trials of life. Spirit of God, would you remind them that you are with them even in the darkest moments. Pray for people who are being tempted by the world and the flesh and the devil and are, are ready to give up or to give in. Spirit of God, would you make yourself known to that person? Would you show them the glories of obeying and living the godly life and would you give them the power to resist that temptation to say no? I pray for people who are facing really hard and difficult decisions and don't know what to do. Spirit of Jesus, would you show them the way would you show them the path to take? And Lord, I pray for all of us who at times question and struggle and doubt, who would have longed to have seen Jesus' scars and to have seen him face to face. Spirit of Jesus, would you remind us that we have seen him? We do know him. Spirit of Jesus, would you remind us daily and hourly that you are with us always? that you dwell within us. So please help us just to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus' face. In Jesus' name I pray.